0: Hi, welcome to episode 27 of Talk About the Passion. The chase is better than the catch. My guest today is Bob Mayo. Bob Mayo is a founding member of the thrash metal band Wargasm from Stoughton, Massachusetts. I named this episode after the Motorhead song, which Bob mentions during this conversation while talking about uh, hearing it on WBCN back in the day. Bob was on my initial list of people I hope to have on at some point, so I was excited to have him over here to talk for a little, you know, a little over an hour about his early days discovering hard rock and metal, to the formation of WarGasm and, and how he met the the Spielberg brothers, uh, to some of the roadblocks they eventually fought through dealing with uh, record label red tape. As I mentioned in the episode, I, I'd put. Wargasm's uh, first full-length Why Play Around up next to Master of Puppets. You know, as far as classic metal albums, Rain and Blood, you know, for me anyway, those those are uh, perfect records, and Why Play Around definitely should uh, sit next to those. There's there's no question. And, uh, you know, when I think of uh, metal and, and, you know, listening to it for as long as I have, there's moments in in certain songs that raise that you know raise the hairs on the back of your neck, and uh, still to this day, you know, like uh, three minutes or so into "At Dawn They Sleep," when the song sort of like falls apart and then builds up to that "kill, kill, kill" chant, uh, the last riff in Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, that guitar solo at the beginning of uh, "Sales of Sharon" by uh, Scorpions, you know th- those kind of moments. War- Wargasm has one of those for me as well and it, it it's in the song revenge and it comes right after the guitar solo uh boblet. so it's this this huge scream and then the main riff sort of comes back right under that and it's uh yeah go go listen to that song and and get back to me and uh i'm i'm sure it'll have the same effect on you uh i could talk about Wargasm all day here but i'd rather you just hear this episode i think it came out great and i hope you enjoy it you can now buy almost all of orgasm's music again. Uh, Bob talks about that near the end of the episode and uh, gives out the you know the web address where you can get that stuff. So definitely check them out if you haven't heard them before. And if you have heard them, check them out again. Uh, they're, they're doing an amazing job on the reissues and uh, yeah, a couple more things before we get started here. I'm on social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Search for talk about the passion podcast, and you should be able to find me. If you like what you hear here, 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 you can subscribe to me on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm even on Spotify now. Uh, if you search talk about the passion podcast on Spotify, all of the uh, back episodes are on there. And uh, yeah, and if you or someone you know would like to be on this podcast, uh, please don't hesitate to contact me at. Uh, you know, my Facebook page or Instagram or uh, whatever, or you can use my Gmail address, which is talkaboutthep at gmail.com. That's talkabouttheletterp at gmail.com. And uh, we can set something up. Anyway, here is episode 27 with Bob Mayo. Thank you for listening. All right, so I'm here with uh, Bob Mayo. We're here at uh, my house here in Rentham, and uh, how are you doing today, man?
1: I'm doing great, great. I'm on vacation this week, so it's all casual. Nice, nice.
0: Uh, so where where did you grow up, Bob?
1: Stoughton. I've been in Stoughton for all of my 53 years. Yeah. It's not too different than where we're at right now. It's not as rural, I guess, but it's a small town. Yeah. Um, about 20 minutes south of Boston. Mm-hmm. But it was cool growing up because it was about halfway between providence and boston so Mm -hmm. depending on which direction you're headed and there was something to do
0: right and uh, yeah what did you guys do for for fun there
1: uh well once we started to play music that was pretty much yeah where all the fun was at yeah um and everybody thinks of orgasm as a boston band and i guess because that's primarily where we operated but we really were all three of us are from stoughton and we did the bulk of the work of the band, the writing and the rehearsing and all that in yeah. Brockton. Mm-hmm. Okay. South Shore. Yeah.
0: And uh, where where did you initially start getting into music? Did you have like a person in your life?
1: That, uh... No. I, well, I had a, a pretty rotten childhood. Yeah. Um, the family situation was pretty terrible. Okay. And of course, like a zillion other kids, I found Kiss at exactly the right time. Yeah. Probably Rock and Roll Over was the album. Mm-hmm. So 76, 77, yeah. Yeah. 77. And um that was the first record I ever bought with my own money, okay, first record I ever bought at all, yeah, but um, yeah, I fell in love with them. It's a funny story. I actually had a friend at school who was a huge kiss fan and was constantly ridiculed all the time about it, right um, but he and I had a connection, and I ended up not telling the truth right uh, yeah, I got all their albums, yeah, sure, <laughs> I'm a huge fan too right and uh one day he said, "Why don't you take the my bus home from school to my house, so we can listen to my records?" Yeah. Back then, when you used to listen to records, right. say, You know, with friends, and um, <clears throat> I ended up taking that bus to his neighborhood, and we went. Um, he he said to me before the school day, "Why don't you bring that new album over? <laughs> you said you had them all, right?" Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I got them all. <laughs> yeah. And you got the new one? Yeah, I got the new one. So um, he said, "Why don't you bring that over?" And I was like. Ooh. <laughs> what am I going to do? I don't have any kids albums. Right, right. I don't even know anything about this yeah. except they look super cool. Right. And uh, so I got off the bus, the Bat Bus. If mm-hmm. Anybody in the social knows <laughs> what the Bat Bus is. Right. And I walked to Music Machine in okay. Canton. Yep. Just a couple blocks at the Village Mall from where he lived. And I bought the album, threw away the shrink wrap, yeah. and walked up to his house. <laughs> And said, Here, I brought the album. Like I'd had it for weeks (laughs) or whatever. And so when we put it on, the first time he heard it was also the first time I heard it. But but I I fell totally in love with them after that. And I still think that's a great album. Yeah. yeah. It's hard for me to know. I think I can be objective enough to know that it is a great album. Yeah. um, But it also might just be the emotional connection. Right. Yeah. Uh, I used to sit and stare at that album cover. Yeah. Just. Like probably look like an idiot, but yeah it's just a uh, real emotional resonance with yeah. the album, but the objective me also thinks it's a great rock album right seventies so, yeah. rock, yeah that's where it started with me um and I hung with them, and probably right until about they made that awful movie, yeah yeah, yeah yeah, and talking. then right around there was um. Uh, you know, I got into Cheap Trick as well and Aerosmith. Right. Just like everybody else. Yeah. But when the Van Halen bomb exploded, yeah. I completely walked away from KISS. Yeah. yeah. I, I think they just kind of made KISS look ridiculous. Uh, yeah, of course. And uh from then on it was just pretty much rock in general, metal in general. Yeah. But Van Halen was the big wake up call. Yeah. That yeah. first album. Oh yeah. It was just completely mind blowing. Yeah.
0: I don't know where I saw it, but I remember the... the, the f- and I, I always think of this as the first time I experienced metal or like Chuggy Guitar was seeing that, that video of You Really Got Me or, and just being like, what in the hell is this? and
1: It's funny. The way I found that album too, was of course, is a funny story. Um, remember WAAF used to have this show on weekends. It was an overnight show called, I think it was the Friday Night Six Pack. Okay, yeah. And they used to play six albums in a row. Basically, right. they didn't have to have a DJ yeah. overnight, I right. guess. And they were recently released albums, or soon to be released albums. Right. And my dad, I was at my dad's apartment in Canton, mm-hmm. and he just bought a brand new console stereo. So it had a AM-FM tuner, a record player, and an 8-track oh, yeah. player. And he had bought some blank 8-tracks, so or they had come with it or whatever. Right. And yes, there was such a thing as a blank 8-track <laughs> yeah. tape. And this machine recorded on the eight track module. So one, we're setting up a stereo and I don't know 100% what I'm doing and it's late and I, we go to sleep. And <clears throat> I guess we had left it on AAF and we were accidentally recording. So the next day I woke up and I was like, wow, the tape's full. Right. What's What did we record? And I put it in and, and it was, st- I think sticks, pieces of eight was on there. But then after that, it was the Van Halen album. Nice. And it wasn't out yet. Right. It was like a week. It was Friday, and it was coming out Tuesday, I yeah. guess. So I got completely floored by this album. You know, when you when you listen for the last few years to Kiss, Aerosmith, Cheap yeah. trick and then you hear that, it's almost like another planet. Yeah, yeah. And I was completely floored, and I went... To that same store music machine in Canton, and, can't, and then asked them for it, and they said, No, it's not out yet. I don't, right. even, know, don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> and uh, I went back the following week, and it was there in the racks, and I grabbed it. Yeah. And uh, unbelievable, unbelievable album, but completely by accident. Yeah. I heard you really got me on the radio that same week, so I guess it was meant to be yeah. anyway. Right. But, yeah. Great album. Yeah. And, that was uh, the days when you weren't inundated 24 7 with people promoting right. music yeah, labels yeah. promoting music or promoting concerts promoting movies promoting everything all that if you're on digital media for yeah. 10 minutes you're <laughs> yeah, just bombarded with yeah, yeah. everything yeah, it was then, very mysterious yeah, it something was just showed up accidental and, very random yeah. and, you know one connection would lead to another and yeah. pretty soon you're on a completely different track and yeah the only way we found out about bands back then was you know, walking to the drugstore and looking at a magazine. Yeah, yeah. That's what they look like. Yeah, yeah. Now it's like, geez, enough, <laughs> enough. Yeah. Get them away from me.
0: <laughs> what were your you hip parader and circus? Hip parader, cream and circus. Yeah, yeah. hip
1: parader wasn't, hip parader was terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they had pictures. Pictures, had exactly. There was lots of pictures, but yeah. the, journalism quote-unquote was awful cream cream was always a lot of fun yeah yeah i learned a lot from oh yeah you read that was cream cover to cover i still have a stack of them oh nice from back then they don't yeah. have any covers oh right attached right. left but yeah i still yeah. have a ton of them
0: nice um and did, did you end up uh exploring more sort of heavy stuff after that like van yeah halen? The, the
1: thread i was following after van halen just pretty much got heavier and heavier yeah you know and then i went back in time and Got into Deep Purple and Black Sabbath.
0: Yeah, right.
1: Led Zeppelin. the The kid who, I listened to rock and roll over with that day. His older brother had a big record collection, and that's right. where I first heard Sabbath. Oh. Okay. I remember I, it was Master Reality was, the first Sabbath, and I heard the first, song on the first Sabbath album there too, yeah. which is a moment that yeah. <laughs> most of us probably don't ever forget. The oh first yeah, of time course. You hear that song. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's uh, my my sister like Zeppelin. I heard Zeppelin that way from my sis booming right. out of my sister's bedroom. Yeah. Um, and where are we now? We're like in the early '80s. Yeah, yeah. So from Van Halen, where do you go from there, heavy-wise? You go to pretty much the new wave of British heavy metal. Yeah. Maiden, Saxon, yeah, Priest, yeah, um, and then after that, it's thrash. And yeah. Then, yeah. Here I am.
0: <laughs> now the the new wave of uh, British heavy metal, uh, how did you find that stuff?
1: It's funny. I saw, it was in Circus. Yeah. And Castle Donington had just happened. And Circus wasn't super tuned into what was really going on right. in the world. But every now and then you'd read a snippet of something that sounded interesting. Right. And they had a picture of Saxon. Mm-hmm. And I'd never heard of them. Yeah, I thought I knew all of it. Right, you know, right. I thought I knew every band yeah. that was worth knowing, which <laughs> right. was like five or six at <laughs> right. the time. yeah, yeah. And uh, they said something about Saxon stole the show at at the this new festival and right. Rainbow Priest. And I was like, well, if they're on the bill with Rainbow and Juice yeah. Priest, and and who else played that show? Um, well, those are the only ones I'd heard of, I guess. Right. But if they stole the show from... Richie Blackmore and yeah. Judas Priest, and they must be good. <laughs> yeah. So I went looking, and it also had that phrase in it: N W O B H M. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't. They didn't explain what that was. Yeah.
0: So people were calling it that at that time too.
1: They well, it was a year later. Yeah. Right. It was. It was 1980, and over in the UK, that had started in '79. So it was right. well underway by the time the Donington show happened. Okay. And by the time it started to leak over into the. US right. rock press. But I went looking and I found Wheels of Steel. And that's a
2: oh, great that. yeah. album. Yeah.
1: And this was also back in the day when BCN WBCN would play anything. They would yeah. give anything a try. Yeah. And I heard Motorcycle Man Oh wow. Midday yeah. on WBCN. Huh. That's funny. And they had also played um the Chase is better than the catch by Motor. Oh wow. More than once they, yeah. they had played that song. It wasn't on a metal show. It was like yeah, yeah. Tuesday at two fifteen. Huh. Like in between but Jay Giles. It, and yeah, right. yeah, they would just give stuff a shot and that was amazing. What yeah. a what a huge resource that, BCM that radio was, was, station was. Right? Yeah. Yeah, killer. Yeah. We were really fortunate to have them growing up. Yeah. I heard so much stuff on yeah. them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that and uh Night Flight was my uh on sort TV. of gateway, yeah, yep. on USA and uh, MTV. You know, started showing some good stuff in between. You'd have to kind of wait for it to happen, but until like the the metal shows and stuff.
1: I got but, um connected with some of the guys that used to work at Good Vibrations mm-hmm. when it was at the Village Mall in oh, yeah. Cannes. And those are the guys I used to go to and ask about the stuff. I have you ever heard of Saxon? Right. Have you ever heard of Motorhead? Because yeah. I, you could tell eventually by reading. Those magazines. That something over there was going on, or you'd see an ad, one of those script ads down the side of the page for um, killers. Mm -hmm. I saw, and I was like, "What is that?" (laughs) You know, the Kiss fan, and was like immediately drawn to the graphics (laughs) there. But, um, they they had one guy that was there. His name was Dan, and he was the import buyer, Mm -hmm. and he they used to get all their stuff exclusively from this importer called Gem. Oh, yeah. Yep. And he would give me every time I came in, he'd give me the gem catalog. Yeah. And they had little blurbs about this and that, right? And UFO and Saxon and Iron Maiden and Def yeah. Leppard. that's how I started to get into that stuff. And that's where I saw that new wave of British heavy metal oh, okay. phrase a lot. Yeah. And I remember walking in there one day and, and Dan handed me the the flyer for the next set of new releases that he was ordering on import, and he said, You're gonna be psyched, motorhead. Has a live album coming out? Oh, nice! And I was like, "Oh, because I love I love Days of Spades." Yeah, yeah. Um, which at that point in my life was the heaviest album I'd ever oh, yeah. heard in my life. Yeah, unquestionably. Oh, of course. And that when that live album came out, I bought it on import. Yeah. And uh, I they used to have sections for a special orders for people behind the counter, and it was a right. 45 or a record. Yeah, yeah. My section was like six <laughs> inches deep. Yeah. of stuff. Yeah. And then <clears throat> once I found. Once uh was a Tony Berardini on oh, Heavy yeah. Metal from Hell mm-hmm. was sponsored by Rocket Records for a while. Yeah. So they would talk about Rocket Records. Mm-hmm. One of my friends at one day just said, Hey, let's let's go down there and see what's up. Yeah. We, didn't, we had no idea it was like fifty miles away. Yeah. 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 But we got a map back yeah. back in the day. Yeah. And took the ride. And Jesus yeah. Christ uh, talk about that was like it was late in the game for the new wave of British Heavy Metal, for real, but in that store, they awful. still had, like, the first six, seven issues of Kerrang! were still yeah. there. Huh. They had tons of forty-five, yeah. seven inches. Yeah. Uh, I got all the available Raven, yeah. seven inches, back then. I still have them. Yeah. All the Tank, yeah. seven inches, oh, were wow. in stock. I still have those. That's awesome. All the Gillen Solo yeah. 45s, Yeah, I still have those. Nice. Um... That I could not wait to pile in the car and drive back. Yeah, I yeah. brought the very first time we went there. I was working part time, still going to high school, and I had a, my paycheck that day was sixty five bucks. Yeah, I spent the entire yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, boom, gone. Oh yeah, and I couldn't wait to go back. Yeah, of course. That was a whole a window to another whole scene.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And that kind of fizzled out by eighty three or eighty four, but yeah. right around the corner was Metallica <laughs> and Fresh right, right. Metal. Yeah. And we just, like, followed the thread, you know? Yes. Just what's, what's the new cutting edge? Right. And right around that point, for me, anyway, it went, you were either glam. Yeah. Or you were thrash. Right, yeah. That, that was really no question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you, uh, I guess maybe going backwards a little, the first uh, concert you saw? Kiss. Yeah.
1: February 2nd, 1982. Oh, wow. Providence Civic Center.
0: Was that Creatures of the Night? That no, night? it was the no, uh, no, no. live, too. Oh, all right, Yeah.
1: It was alive too. And okay. it was, there were two nights. Yeah. I think it was the first night that I went to. Yeah. Um, the Rockets opened up. Yeah. And it was awesome. Just yeah. being in the same room. Yeah. My seats were awful. Yeah. But it was, oh, yeah. it was great for a first show. It was yeah. Fantastic. And then that year I saw Aerosmith. Yeah. Bootleg tour. I saw Nugent at the Cape Cod Coliseum. I saw Van Halen open up for Black Sabbath. Oh, that too. The yeah. Never Say Die tour. And yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. They destroyed. They had Sabbath. 20 minutes and like three <laughs> lights, right. four amps. Yeah. They destroyed Black Sabbath. Yeah. That place was just on yeah. fire. Yeah. That was an amazing moment. Yeah. And that's that's history too. Oh, of course. The way they kicked Sabbath's yeah. ass. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was great. Then probably five or six shows that year and five or six shows the, the year after that. And uh, you know, as my band started to gig more, we went yeah. to less and less concerts right, right. that way. Yeah. Plus things were changing too. Yeah. The bands that we were into were, were club bands. They weren't right. weren't arena bands.
0: Yeah, of course. And so so you were playing music at this point?
1: Um yeah, we seventy eight I was just learning how to play guitar. Okay. I took lessons for probably about six weeks. Yeah. And my teacher my teacher, it's funny, my teacher first said, hey, you have really big hands. Are you sure you don't want to play bass? Yeah. And I said, no, <laughs> I want to play guitar. Yeah. I want to be Ace freely and, Right. And um, so I started playing guitar, taking lessons there. And my teacher didn't really seem interested in teaching me how to play the guitar. He was yeah. more, he would ask me to go out and pick a song from the sheet music wall. Right. And he would help me play that song. Yeah, nice. And then next week, hey, go pick another song. Right. And I'd be be like, okay, I'm learning how to play this song and that song, but I'm not really learning my way around the guitar at all. And I would kind of augment that by sitting on the floor and putting on a record. And I had a good enough ear where I could try to figure out what they were doing and how they were doing it. And the, my records turned out to be a better teacher for me than than any teacher yeah. at the music store. My the big records for me, um, Kiss was the first three Kiss albums. Yeah, were pretty easy to learn. Yeah, and easy to play. And uh, Aerosmith "Get Your Wings" was a huge one. Oh, yeah. mastering something off of that, oh, get, yeah. getting through yeah. something off of that was like, wow, I got this. <laughs> seasons of Wither. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's real dynamics on oh, that yeah. record, and there's really cool guitar playing, and cool Definitely. riffs. But that was a big one for me. "Draw the Line" was another big one. I, yeah. I love that. Album. That's my favorite. Uh, yeah, Aerosmith. A it. lot of people just diss that, right? Yeah, I love that love record. Yeah. But I, I would say overall, I'm pretty much self-taught. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm pretty lucky to have been gifted with a with perfect pitch and yeah I have a photographic memory and yeah. I'm kind of wired for just soaking up music yeah yeah and uh, luckily I ended up in a band with two guys who were exactly the same way <laughs> yeah so that chemistry was awesome yeah. for that band
0: yeah so how, how did you meet uh, the the Spielbergs
1: I used to work at a supermarket okay. in Stoughton called Roxy's mm-hmm. and pretty much all the high school kids cycled through that place yeah. as a first job. Right, right. And um, there was a guy there named Wayne who was, I've known Wayne since third grade. and He actually got me the job there. Yeah. So I used to hang around with Wayne. Wayne used to hang around with this group of kids that hung around at the end of this street called this, they used to call this area the circle. It was a okay. dead end and it was yeah. a big cul-de-sac at the end of a street. And uh, once I started at Roxy's, he said, hey, we're having a party at my house this weekend why don't you come down and i was like cool brand, brand new right circle of friends yeah new job new friends yeah and one of the kids that was going to the party knew that i had played guitar somehow yeah. and he said why don't you bring your guitar because there's a jam going on there yeah and uh he was kind of like my friends are the musician <laughs> <your> friends let's <laughs> let's see what you see can what do. you get yeah so I brought it. I went to the party, and I brought the guitar. And it was kids that were like one or two years older than me. Yeah. Pretty much. And they were playing Zeppelin mm-hmm. and Bad Company. Yeah. And like like classic rock. Right. Stuff. And this little kid got behind the kit. Yeah. And they, everybody went outside to the keg and put some food on the barbecue grills. Right. And he got behind the kit, and... I hadn't been able to play up until that point because all the older guys right. were playing so I yeah. picked up my guitar and he goes what do you know I don't know what do you know back and forth for a while and I knew a lot I yeah. knew, I knew um, Number of the Beast oh nice I knew some I knew British Steel yeah. like the albums right pretty much could work my way through those right. albums at that point mm-hmm. so I guess this is probably eighty, nineteen eighty 1980 or 81 okay yeah we're all still in high school and he goes, You know, number of the beast? I said, yeah, he goes, let's play that. And this little kid looked like he was about 10 years yeah. old, so we played it. Yeah, and pretty much got through it and yeah. did a pretty decent job. And then, what else do you know off that album? What's the next song? Yeah, so we played whatever's the next song, right? People start cycling back in <laughs> from outside, who's, right. who's making the racket, who's playing, and this. Stuff was, like, a little bit more challenging than Bad Company. Oh, of course, yeah. Stones and stuff. Yeah. So they were kind of impressed, and they all, everybody came back in, and they just kind of let us do our thing. And I don't even know this kid's name yet. We're just (laughs) so tuned into each other, so connected. Yeah. And, like, an hour goes by, you know, living after midnight. (laughs) Yeah, let's do that. Just jamming away. And it turns out that was Barry,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: who he was, like, Fifteen, okay. I think. And that night, the party decided it was going to move to the Skyview Drive-In, mm-hmm. Canton, I think. Yeah. And so everybody piles into their cars and drives up. Little do I know that Barry's brother, Rich, yeah, is in a band called Voyager. Okay. And the bass player's name is Pete. And they got another drummer. Uh, they had another drummer and another guitar player forget Mm -hmm. who those guys were but at the drive-in rich and pete approached me because they were at the earlier piece of the party and they asked me hey we're going to quit voyager we want to start a band yeah you you really impressed us today you want to be in our band yeah and i point to barry not knowing that it's brother. right yeah i said only if that kid is the drummer right and Rich looks at him and goes, "No fucking way! <laughs> no, I'm not going to be in a band with my brother." <laughs> they kind of stormed away. Right. <clears throat> I guess Pete talked to him and said, "Look, let's just give it a try. Yeah. See what happens." So they cycled back around and said, "All right, you let's jam." Right. So that's Rich, Barry, me, and Pete. Right. I was still playing guitar, and Pete's playing bass. Yeah. And we started to play. We played regularly. We played. Maiden covers, we played, um, Crocus. Yeah, nice. Lots of that. You know, right. Wave of British heavy metal stuff. That's the music that we all had in yeah, common. Of and, uh, eventually Pete had, I don't know if it was school or girlfriend or whatever, yeah. but he stopped showing up right. regularly. And just so we could keep playing, I would pick up his bass and yeah. play as a three-piece that way. Mm-hmm. Never had a vocalist. Yeah. Um... And I really liked playing the bass. I liked yeah. playing with Barry as a right. room section. Right. It was We really clicked that way. And uh, Rich, to be honest, was just head and shoulders way past me as a guitar player. Mm. Anyway, I was kind of right. intimidated yeah. to play with him. <laughs> so that configuration kind of stuck. Yeah. We called ourselves Overkill okay. at the time. There was no New Jersey band called Overkill <laughs> right. yet. Yeah, It was the Motorhead thing. Yeah, And um, we started to play up at the rehearsal studios in Brockton yeah. at the United Furniture Building. Mm-hmm. And the band of the day back then, the metal band that was fully functioning and everybody worshipped was Steel Assassin. Oh, yeah. Because those guys, not only was that an amazing world class band but they're great guys and they're friends of ours till to this day and they always will be. Yeah. Fantastic band, fantastic people. Yeah. They kind of took us under their wing because Rich and Barry had actually roadied for them, tech for them when they played in Boston a, a bunch of times. Yeah. So they were familiar with them. So they would come up to our rehearsal space and we they were playing Except Judas Priest and yeah. stuff and we we had gotten at that point gotten the thrash bug yeah and we're playing that kind of yeah. stuff so they used to come up and check us out because we were doing something very different right from them and they they dug it and they they told their manager you got you got to come up and see these guys yeah. play so he came up he watched us play um our own original stuff and a bunch of covers yeah we had probably had three songs written right. at that time and still no vocalists, so right. no lyrics yeah and he said, if you guys can get a singer, I'll get you a gig in Boston. Yeah. As soon as the door shut, we're like, You do it. You do it. <laughs> right, no, you right. do it. Yeah. No, you do it. Yeah. And I eventually yeah. said, I'll do it. I'll yeah. try it. Right. And um so he did. He we we wrote lyrics to those three tunes. Yeah. I started singing the best I could trying yeah. to make sense of playing and singing uh, at the huh, same time. Yeah. I was never very good at that. Yeah. Um but we got a real short set together. Yeah. And we let the guys in Assassin know we're ready to go. Yeah. Let's see if he meant what he said. And right. boom, he's on the phone saying, Metal Church, you guys would fit oh, wow. really well with Metal Church yeah. in November as celebrations. Yeah. Do you want the show? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So practice, 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 practice. Um, we changed our name to Maniac. Right. At that point. And. The day of that show, he called me at work, and he said, listen, Metal Church canceled. They're not coming. You guys want to do two sets. (laughs) There's nothing else I can come up with. I'm not not canceling the show. It's Metal Night. Every Wednesday night is Metal Night. It's going to go on anyway. Do you guys want to do two sets? Yeah. I'm like, "Uh, (laughs) okay. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. So we drove in we were terrified ah. the first this was literally our second show yeah we played once in Stoughton for 30 people that right. we all knew yeah yeah your friends. and then we had the metal church show and we thought the metal church show was going to be like you know a first impression on Boston right but right. they're really there to see metal church yeah of course um, so if we thought it was the perfect deal but yeah. now all the Metal Church fans are going to be there and they're going to be furious that yeah, the band's course. not here and yeah. they're going to hate us and right. throw shit at us yeah and um, it was the opposite yeah they they really welcomed us the The crowd was like really really awesome yeah they understood what happened with Metal Church yeah and they liked what we were doing yeah and it it couldn't have gone better yeah it was a great first impression with yeah. that scene yeah and pretty much from like that point on, in terms of like real metal, metal, yeah, we we were pretty much it, yeah, like yeah, because of I think it's because of that show, yeah, yeah, where it could have went, yeah, you had to it, step up, and it could have went either way, right? It could have yeah. went really, really badly, but it, and it just went the other way, and yeah. It was, we we're forever grateful, yeah, to Metal Charge for for not <laughs> showing up, and yeah. they did come back. They rescheduled the show, and we opened up for them. Oh, nice. Like you know, that was meant to be. Right. But that was a great way to start, really. Yeah. And we pretty much had to play with a lot of like glam metal. That's yeah. pretty much what the That's scene what, was back then. Yeah. On. barring Steel Assassin and a couple of other yeah bands from the South Shore too that yeah. were that were really pretty heavy right. trying to break in. It was mostly. Super commercial yeah, yeah. stuff. And we, would, we found ourselves on some really <laughs> bizarro builds. Yeah, yeah. And we did not fit in all, but it was good practice. Yeah, yeah. Good practice. Yeah. You know, how do you do a sound check? <laughs> so by the time we played with 15 glam bands, we knew yeah. we knew how to do a sound yeah, check.
0: Yeah, yeah. So how many uh, originals did you have? Did you guys have to do covers when you did the,
1: yeah, the two we, sets? Yeah, we probably had four originals, and we played um, Four Horsemen by yeah. Metallica. We played two tank songs. Yeah. I can't remember what else we might have played, yeah. but we probably had four or five of our own. Yeah. And we probably pulled another couple of covers out. Right. It had to be an extra long set. Right. Right. But I've I've heard it on tape before. Oh yeah. It's, it's actually people have it. Yeah. On tape and it's it didn't doesn't sound that great. But, right. But as an artifact of you know that day, it's yeah. amazing yeah. to have. Yeah.
0: And the, the, those songs, did those end up uh, on that first demo you did, the, uh, the one you the were just reissued? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, not all of them. Right. We didn't record... Well, maybe they did. We, yeah, everything that we had at that time is on that demo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we Yeah, the Hawk is on there. Yeah. We played that. We played it extra slow. It's like yeah. twelve minutes long as it is. <laughs> but yeah, oh, man, those days. Yeah. Some I'm 53 right now, and sometimes I stop and think back. Was that me? <laughs> you know, was that my yeah. life, or yeah. was that was that a movie I saw? Right, right. Crazy.
0: Yeah. Did John? Uh, when did you guys change the name to Orgasm? And
1: uh, Mike Jones, who uh, of Nasty Habits yeah. fame, E R S. He started to work for combat records, yeah a and r for combat, and he offered us an e p yeah on combat, but he said, "You have to change your name there's fifteen other maniacs in the u s <laughs> right. alone right um, we turned him down for the e p because right. we really we wanted our first album yeah to be all of our best songs we didn't want to we didn't want to put the EP out with the weaker songs because right, that doesn't course. make sense yeah, yeah. and we didn't want to give them all the good songs because <laughs> yeah. then the album would be weak right. so we said we'll pass but we took his advice and changed the name Yeah. and Barry and Rich's sister older sister found it in a thesaurus really under it's a synonym for attack Huh. that's hmm. a pretty bizarre one but, right, right. but it's there Okay. and I've had people question the veracity of that story over the years, right. and I have a photocopy of the, the oh, really with her little pencil oh, that's awesome. circle around it. Nice. So. Anyone has an issue with that? <laughs> give me your uh, email address; I'll send it to you.
0: <laughs> nice. And then it was, you guys started playing out much more from after that.
1: Yeah, we. When, I mean, it was, the scene wasn't just us. There were other bands, but it seemed like to us that things were really happening. Yeah. And uh, we we got all the big shows that were coming through. We yeah. played with Megadeth at yeah. the channel. We played oh, yeah. with Slayer at the channel. Yeah. We played with Flotsam and Jetsam. We played with Sepultura. We played, I mean, Slayer at the channel with was... was uh, I missed that. I was That was the um, Rain and Blood yeah. show. Um, yeah. That was the show to, yeah. to be <laughs> yeah. at, never mind on the stage. Yeah, yeah. But those shows were huge to... to yeah. For exposure for us. Yeah. It wasn't like a, you know, Tuesday night right. day to play. It was sold <laughs> right. out. Yeah. Those were huge. And celebrations, we, we headlined. Yeah. Celebrations, we headlined downstairs and upstairs. Right. Narcissus. We headlined the channel. Yeah. The living room. We mm-hmm. got we got to that point where we were headlining pretty much. But sometimes it wasn't in your best interest to headline. Yeah. If someone huge was coming yeah, through. Yeah, of course. Then you wanted to be the opener. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, we built up so much momentum, and then we got the deal. We, we did the second demo. Yeah. Satan stole my lunch money, yeah. and uh, we recorded it at Normandy Sound in Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. We, we literally made one at a time. We duped that dub, I don't know what the oh, term yeah. is, yeah. that cassette, one copy at a time, really? <laughs> and went down to L'Amour in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. I forget who the band was that was playing. Megadeth, maybe. Yeah, I think it was Megadeth, and Rich literally walked through the crowd at Lamour and handed out the tape uh, nice. to people. Yeah, like thirty tapes. Right. Just didn't say nothing. Just handed them out. Yeah. And that was tape trading was huge back then. Oh yeah. Everyone was like, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Like they, none of them got trashed. They all got taken right. home. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What is this? Yeah. And uh, we had sent. We started sending tapes to labels at that time too. Yeah. And never really heard anything worth pursuing right celluloid records wanted to make us an offer but Mm -hmm. it was wasn't even really an offer right it it wasn't even enough we spent more money on the demo than than what they offered (laughs) us for an album um and they had no track record either they were trying to get into that yeah metallica selling records without a single without Uh, a video so yeah yeah. this must be something to get into but we passed on that um so we'd sent one to Profile. Mm-hmm. It was actually Rock Hotel. Yeah. Which yeah. was a subsidiary. Chris Williams. Chris Williams. Yeah. The promoter, the New York concert promoter. Yeah. Had his own little label called Rock Hotel. And it was yeah. all punk and hardcore, no metal. Yeah. But I guess he was looking to branch out. Yeah. So we sent him a tape along with like a hundred other right. indie labels. Yeah. And he sent it back saying, no thanks. Yeah. So... This story came straight from him, this story. When he signed us, Mm -hmm. I told him, I said, didn't you say no to us? Didn't we get a rejection letter from you? And he goes, yeah, you did. I, I took your demo. I put it in the cassette player. I listened to 30 seconds, and I threw it in the trash. I thought it was garbage. But yeah. The kids that worked for me, the interns and the people that worked in my office were listening to the tape that they got at Lemoore. Yeah, oh, nice. And they listened to it, and they listened to it. And they and I didn't quite get it, Yeah. but I had asked him, who's this? Oh, it's that new band, Wargasm, from Boston. They're fucking awesome. So he was like, "Mm, I can't ignore that, (laughs) so I, I made you a deal. He actually had us come down to SIR and... New York and do a showcase for him.
2: Which oh, is nice. Really awkward. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's cool if they want to come and see you at a show. Right. But you're just standing there and just two people <laughs> sitting in a chair right. staring at you. It was yeah. kind of bizarre, but we did it. Yeah. And he offered us a deal. We also had an offer from Monty Connor, who was the president of Roadrunner mm-hmm. forever, and now he's the president of Nuclear Blast. Oh, all right. At the time, he had a startup label yeah. called. Uh he's gonna kill me. <laughs> um damage records. Okay. I'm
0: maybe yeah
1: tentatively saying it was damaged damage or damage. he'll correct me via Facebook. Right. <laughs> I'm Um he made us an offer too, and it was they were comparable offers, but Chris just had a way. Yeah. He had the Crow Mags and Age of Crows, was right. huge yeah. in the underground and he mm-hmm. had bands with reps. Yeah, of course. Uh, Murphy's Law and stuff like that and he promised I'll keep you guys on the road right on the road on the road on the road and for us we were like yeah sounds good (laughs) yeah so we signed with him and it turns out that you know if we had signed with Monty I heard this from Monty later if we had signed with Monty his label failed yeah so as he goes as much trouble as you had with profile I probably would have destroyed you yeah (laughs) yeah so it turned out (laughs) pretty well right considerably yeah with Profile um, Chris Williamson lost his distribution deal with yeah. Profile right after we signed right they didn't renew it right so he was a label without a distributor right and while he worked things out with Profile everything was on hold yeah our album should have been out in 1987 yeah it was done yeah, yeah. everything was ready to go yeah Um, but we had to wait, we waited like eight months for him to sort out what he was going to do. And he would tell us, I'm talking to capital, I'm talking to combat (laughs) and just hang in there guys. It's coming, it's coming. Nothing ever happened. So finally profile, you know, whatever they had invested in it, I guess it was enough for them to need to do something with it. So profile themselves just scooped everything up and put it out. Right. Blam. Yeah. I saw two print ads.
2: And that that's was it. The, that that's was it. it. That's all I ever saw. Promotion. They
1: yeah. never put it on the road. Yeah. They did nothing. Yeah. And I remember speaking with the label president Steve Plotnicki, hmm And he said to me, We just had a number one record with Run D M C Right. Tougher than leather. Yeah. No single, no video, no tour support. Right. Number one record. Why would we want to spend any money on it? <laughs> right. We can do it without that. Right. That's our focus. So we're, we're not a rap band. Metal, right. <laughs> metal is you got to get out there and you got to play. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And you got to play right in front of the kids' faces. You yeah. can't. Yeah, of course. You know it, That's just the way it works. Yeah. It's like, well, that's not what the label's about. Right. It's about rap right now. So sorry. So that was that. And we right. decided after that cycle pretty much was over, when the. During that album cycle, it was amazing. We played the Bayside Expo Center yeah. with Man of War and Nuclear Assault. Um, and we that was our show.
0: What was that? Was that just like a metal show at yeah. Just had it? Yeah. It there? was the
1: Bayside Expo show. Yeah. It was a Saturday afternoon. Huh. It was like five bands on the bill. Malaya Rage was on yeah. it. Uh, Hades from New Jersey was on it. Yeah. And it was a three gig package they right. played in Connecticut somewhere Rhode Island somewhere yeah. and then the Bayside show right. somewhere and we we outsold Man War's merchandise oh yeah we they the kids broke the barrier yeah. in the front while we were playing yeah and it was pandemonium yeah during our set and oh, yeah. it was pretty much like Kerrang! reviewed the, that show oh like, really Mike Gitter wrote oh did he a review for oh, that really. show for Kerrang! Huh. and uh, he pretty much said that it was our show yeah and uh, Manowar's crew decided that we were a threat. Yeah. And they turned on the house lights right. while we were playing. They just, right. boom. Yeah. They killed the PA. Really? While we were playing. And our manager and one of the guys in our road crew got into a fight with them, trying to tear them away from right. the, the light board and the monitor board because they saw that they were messing with us. It mm-hmm. was an actual fist fight yeah. about it. But then we were, you know, after hearing stuff like that, you <laughs> are thinking, wow. Yeah we're a man of war is threatened by us so especially those guys yeah we're doing something right so that was a great year 88 88, into 89 was an awesome year for the band and and forgive us but we were thinking we're we're on our way we're step one
0: yeah i I, when i got why play around i remember thinking this is i sits in my record collection next to master of puppets and you know, any, you know, I, for me, that's it's one of those metal records. That, just,
1: I I really thought that year that, you know, all I want to do is is tour, yeah, and build towards the next step, right? Yeah. And when I get to the next step, we'll do the same thing. Yeah. To step three, we'll just right. keep building yeah, that yeah. way. That's the way the business worked yeah, back then, anyway. Yeah. And uh, so our contract called for album number two. Yeah. With profile. We got in touch with Profile and they didn't even bother to return calls. Yeah. Hey, we got to record another record. Right. What's the budget? Where are we recording? Who do we talk to? Nothing. Right. And just crickets. So we knew they were not going to promote us. Right. They didn't promote the first one. Yeah. The only reason the first one, uh, the first one was um, in the top five CMJ, Mm -hmm. College Music Journal back then. Yeah. Every college had a metal show yeah. Saturday nights, oh, yeah, yeah. Monday night, whatever. Yeah. Um, and that was an important way the indies tracked what their records were doing. Yeah, the CMJ. was yeah. uh, on college radio. Yeah. It didn't count for publishing royalties right. back then. Right, right. But it was an important way that they tracked the success of their records. It was yeah. an important way for them to promote their records. Yeah. And at the end of 88, we were in the top... 10 best name best yeah, album best right. album cover yeah um there was a couple of months a couple of weeks during the ending of 88 where we were number five in their mm. top 100 oh wow and it, it was like anthrax aussie motorhead and Wargasm. right and just just to have our name yeah like, and yeah. in, in the top five with those bands was just completely flooring but the only really the the Way it got to where it got there was Rich. Yeah. When we realized Profile was not going to do anything for us, right? Rich grabbed a copy of CMJ. Yeah. And it had the radio stations all across the country. Yeah. The metal shows, the phone numbers, yeah. And the DJs names. Yeah. And he sat in our manager's office. Eight hours. Yeah. And called every single one of them and schmoozed every single one yeah. of them, all across the country. We made sure they got copies of it, yeah. and boom, it went right up to the charts. So yeah. um, there was a certain—I mean, obviously it was disappointing that the label wasn't doing anything right. for us, but yeah. it was also kind of cool that we realized we could do a lot do for ourselves. Yeah, yeah, and and it worked really well. Yeah, so we had this the confidence that screw them, screw that right. label. We, yeah. we're just gonna take our party somewhere yeah. else. Yeah, yeah, and we started to try to get off the label yeah well for, we tried to get another label interested right and all the other labels we spoke to said you're you're signed right you're already signed we can't do anything with <laughs> right. you so then we went back and h- hired a lawyer and s- right. get us off the label yeah looking through the contract right uh, we can't you're right. you signed a three album deal right you're not going anywhere well what about if they don't honor their commitment to do a second record. Oh, that's, right. that's not in the paperwork he signed. <laughs> what? What? <Right>. What? <laughs> so it's all about what you signed. Yeah, yeah. And of course, record company contracts are all one-sided yeah, documents. Of course. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's no different nowadays. Right. Yeah. I'm sure it's even worse nowadays. Yeah. But we were stuck. Yeah. And the time when the second album should have been recorded and released... You know, right at the crest of that wave, of oh, the yeah. first one. Yeah. Then we should have just been sailing on. But yeah. We were in legal limbo. Right. Once a week, I'd call the lawyer. Right. Rich would be doing work on his end. What's going on? Nothing. They right. won't call back. They don't care. They're not doing a thing. They don't have to. Yeah. Do anything, so right. they're not going to. Yeah. Yeah. So, eventually, five years
0: passed. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's heartbreaking. It yeah. really is. Five years. N- nobody can survive. Yeah. Unless you're ACDC. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, no, no indie young, <laughs> uh, quote unquote, hot band. Can, yeah. can survive a five year. No way. So. Yeah. We, managed through more rich hard work. Yeah. We managed to get onto the concrete, uh, concrete foundations forum in LA. Yeah. Which is where. It's the big music metal, con- metal yeah. music convention every yeah. year where everybody promotes their stuff. Yeah. And it's like a big five-day yeah. party. And um, there's showcases there. Yeah. And we finagled our way into an unsigned band showcase, yeah. even though we were still signed. Yeah. We had a new demo. Yeah. Third demo.
0: Gasm it. Was that Was that that one?
1: No, it was Your Dog's Teeth. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's yeah. out there. Yeah. And... Um, we passed that out all weekend long yeah and we played the showcase and somebody from Massacre Records yeah. in Germany was there I think it was probably Thomas hi Thomas mm-hmm. and he said we'll sign you let's do it and I yeah. we said well there's a little <laughs> technical detail we need to discuss <laughs> right but they weren't afraid of that yeah they were like let us deal with this yeah so they worked out a deal with Profile. Yeah. Profile let us free of the contract. Right. I don't think Massacre had to pay any money right. or anything like that. I think it was just like someone actually, maybe because they had German accents or something. Yeah, right. they, they listened.
2: To, oh, <laughs> right, or, right.
1: yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Um, they let us go. Yeah. Five years later. Yeah. Massacre signed us and Massacre financed Ugly yeah second album so ugly comes out and it's basically three years behind the times yeah yeah obviously i think it's great i love that right yeah yeah. (laughs) but at the time things had really moved on toward this is that weird period where there was new metal yeah there was kind of the beginning of grunge yeah there was all these weird offshoots like um Funk metal, oh yeah, yeah, and just a lot of weirdness. <laughs> Rap metal, yeah, lots yeah. of weird stuff going on, and yeah. we were still playing thrash. Yeah, yeah, and even the big thrash bands of the day were doing weird Something stuff. Something different. Yeah, and yeah. They were trying to branch out because things were changing. Yeah, and we were just way out of place. So, yeah. Massacre knew wisely. America is so trend driven, and you're yeah. not in sync with that. Right. Come over to Germany. Yeah, of course. So they put us on tour three times yeah. in two years. They did the ugly album, which was successful for them. Mm -hmm. We toured. Once we kind of got thrown onto this death metal bill because one of the bands had dropped off. Okay. uh, Emergency band. Quick orgasm will do it. Yeah. Three people. It's cheap. (laughs) Yeah. You only have to pay three people. (laughs) Um, And the second one, though, we opened up for Tankard, which, which is an established. Yeah, yeah thrash band from germany and it was a great tour it was awesome we got buses we got hotels we got riders yeah we had a pa yeah uh, we had our own monitor guy who was like okay yeah this works yeah back home it was pretty depressing but this is pretty cool yeah and they actually asked us to relocate yeah over there yeah we yeah we didn't do it right um So that went really well. They did an EP with us. They financed a video with us. So we we kind of felt like we bounced back, even though it was probably, you know, the death knell. Five (laughs) years had passed, and there really wasn't any way we were going to regain that lost momentum, but at least it was workable. Yeah, yeah. And we thought maybe we can consolidate this and bounce back from this. Right. Uh, And then we found out that Massacre had just signed a major band. Yeah. And they wouldn't tell us who it was. It's funny. And I never thought to go back and try to figure out who it was. But they just licensed a big band. Right. And to do so, they liquidated all the other band's (laughs) budgets. Right. So you're still signed to Massacre. Right. But no video. Yeah. no, No tour support. Yeah. No nothing. Just like profile. Yeah. Same thing. Well, that's great, Massacre. Good luck with that. But (laughs) we're in the same situation we were all over again. Now we're just in the situation in a different country. Right, right. (laughs) So these guys were much cooler about it. Yeah. They said, we had had just recorded our third album, which was going to be called What Are You Afraid Of? Mm -hmm. And they said, if you pay what we paid for the recording yeah you reimburse us for the recording you are free to go and the record is yours yeah do what you want hallelujah had they come up with eight grand right and we figured we were pretty confident that whatever label picks us up yeah we'll fork over eight right. grand f- yeah, for, for the record um so all three of us guys in the band were of different opinions about what to do yeah one of us was, let let's just let massacre put it out, and, and then we'll,
0: work our asses off. We'll and... exactly rich. Right.
1: That was rich. Rich is yeah. like I'll I'll you know get on the phone. I'll work it. We'll do right. this. We'll do that. Yeah. And Barry was a different opinion. Uh, Barry was like, let's let's just see if we can get off the label like we did before, and right. see if we can get somebody else. And I was like, dudes. Yeah. I'm done. Right. Right. It was the tenth year. Yeah. Of the band. Yeah. And we were history was repeating itself yeah. all over again. Yeah. So I'm I'm thinking 10 years. I'm I, I want to get married. I yeah, want to yeah, buy a yeah. house. Right. Um, the job that I've been just barely clinging on to right for the whole span of the band yeah. is I don't want to let that slip yeah, away. Of course. I don't know if I can go through this again. Yeah. I really don't. Yeah. So I quit. Yeah and that was it was tough because the album wasn't it was done yeah yeah but now what right that was yeah. the thing that, that obviously I was um, it broke my heart to have to let those guys down like that because right. they they weren't in the same space I was they, yeah. were, they were ready to ready go to, Yeah. ready to keep fighting mm-hmm. and um, I made it my mission to make sure that album got released somehow yeah. Right. because honestly I thought it was our best one yeah. I still do yeah. I still think it's the best one um, and we found a label called Double Dutch, okay, from Denmark mm-hmm. that was willing to put the eight thousand dollars in, yeah, and release the album, even though the band didn't exist right. anymore. Yeah. I think we were pretty lucky that it just even came out right. at all, yeah, because yeah. what what label? Andy Label's going to want to put out a record <laughs> right. by a band that can't even uh, that promote it. Right. They're not going to. They're not even going to tour it. They're not yeah. going to yeah. do interviews for it. They're not. Right. There's, no, there's no nothing. Yeah. The band doesn't exist. Yeah. So how do you recoup that right. money? Right. So um, I considered us very lucky that it even saw the light of day in yeah. any way, shape, or form. But yeah. it wasn't in the same. It wasn't the same album that we had planned right. at all. Yeah. And the title got changed. Yeah. The cover got changed. Yeah. The, we weren't happy with the mix, but they were like, right now, right we now. We've got to get it to the While zone. your right. name still means something. Right. we got to put it out right now. Yeah. You were just over here a few months ago. Right. So we sent them the quickest mix we could send off on DAT. Boom, it's done. Yeah. And that was that. Yeah. I, I honestly hoped that those guys would replace me. Right, yeah. Keep going. yeah. And I had a secret fantasy that it would be Keith Bennett. <laughs> In all seriousness, I, I don't know how likely right, that right. would have been, but I yeah. thought it would have been awesome yeah, to go yeah. see. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but um, they they each decided to go do separate stuff, yeah, separate yeah. things. Yeah. And uh, it was really awkward between us for a couple of years. Not, yeah. me, not me and Barry so much. Right. We, we have this weird ESP yeah, brotherhood kind right. of thing where we just love each other. Right. Uh, you know i could stab him in the heart and be like <laughs> i forgive you and vice versa yeah um rich is much more he was much more career oriented right. he was he was more thinking okay well, what's the next step for him yeah and i think he was uh, i'm reading into this he's never said this to me right but i think he was pretty pissed off that, that the one train that we had going even though it wasn't going very well right yeah. I, D, derailed, yeah, right. And now he had to start from scratch. Right. He's very, very career driven and very yeah. um, focused on having a career in music. And I yeah. just, I just put a major roadblock up for yeah, him. Yeah, of so. course. And I was super sorry about that, and I was right. really supportive of. I tried to be supportive of whatever he was doing. Yeah, I'd go see Bitter. Yeah. And buy the record and right. you know a little token things yeah, that don't mean shit. But right, I, you know, I I did feel terrible that I had done that, and yeah. to the fans too, because right. We did the last shows at the rat. Yeah. And everybody was like, Ugh. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. But you know, the fact is in Boston we were toast anyway. Yeah. You know. In
0: in metal in Boston through like I think people not from here might not know this, but it was kinda hard for metal bands to get shows for uh for long it was very limited places it seemed. It was celebrations. Yeah. I mean, there was those famous shows at the at the Rat, Megadeth, or Metallica, yep. And, yep. Uh, and the channel was friendly, but nowhere else there was it was uh, it was a very small scene. So
1: it was, and a lot of national bands just stopped coming through. Yeah, and yeah. They they'd,
0: they'd go to Worcester. Yeah, and, if and they
1: couldn't do the Orpheum, if they weren't big enough to do the Orpheum, right. they would just skip over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was a tough tough time. Yeah. Um, but all that you know. Time, yeah. <laughs> time heals all. Yeah, yeah, and we're all very cool now and, and have been.
0: Yeah, um. and and now, so these last few years, you've uh, been reissuing all the the WarGasm stuff in it, and it, it's I think it's great. The, the, the liner notes are, and I think it's a testament to to you as like a music fan, to music fans like seeing like oh this is like a nice package. It's not just some thrown together here's our first album it's 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 definitely yeah uh, well it's great it's to cool hear that to, i appreciate that because yeah.
1: it's a lot of work yeah. and you know <clears throat> that's the thing about when we were with profile we had no control right we felt out of control and yeah. helpless completely yeah. helpless and hopeless we, yeah. there was nothing we could do yeah everything about our career was in the hands of other people yeah and the decisions they made or didn't make yeah we had no control yeah yeah and then you know with massacre who were head and shoulders better yeah it was the same thing though they they made a decision that cost us pretty much yeah everything right so and then there was a you know the 95 to 2015 maybe even 2010 yeah 15 years of no control
0: yeah
1: hey when are you going to put out my player (laughs) well we can't we don't own it right well, that's frustrating to you know yeah. that, that you worked on this art yeah so hard and it's such a huge part of your life yeah. and you it doesn't exist really in the right. real world anymore and yeah. you can't share it with people right and yeah. You can't exploit it yeah. even though you worked on it.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I started to research the rights of that stuff yeah and i got in touch with people who used to work for profile yeah steve Plotnicki mm-hmm. was the president of profile he's a he's a food critic now in manhattan oh yeah he has a food blog yeah i got in touch with him yeah And he said yeah maybe someday <laughs> like oh, okay thanks my fucking music yeah thanks man. Right. thanks a bunch <laughs> um and then i got in touch with thomas from massacre yeah and Ma- massacre okay. thomas emailed me right back and said Dude, those are yours. Yeah. After 10 years, the rights revert to you. Yeah. Look at your contract. Yeah. I dug up the contract. Boom. Yeah. Hey. Wow. Yeah. We own Ugly and we <laughs> own Fireball. Right. That's amazing. Yeah. Let me find a label that's willing to put them out. Yeah. And at the same time, somebody bootlegged Why Play Around. Really? Oh, I didn't know that. Some... CD or, yeah, or just CD? Yeah. yeah. They made... They also bootlegged Nuclear Assault's Survive. Okay. Which is an excellent album, but yeah, yeah, it's it's also a real on-demand album that the rights are kind of nebulous and right. unknown and untraceable. Okay. So, somebody on Facebook said, "Hey, have you seen this yet?" Right. I ordered one from Amazon. Yeah. And I'm like, I never heard of this label. <laughs> right. There's no address on it. There's yeah. no UPC on it. Right. I researched it as much as I could. The only thing I could find was Nuclear Right. survive. Yeah. So I got in touch with Glenn from Nuclear Assault. And he goes, yeah. "Oh, that's bootleg. That guy is a fucking asshole." Right. Um, so you've been bootlegged. Yeah. So I said to myself, if Joe Schmo can bootleg it, from Mysteryland right. can do this. Yeah. I can do it. Yeah. And I have much more of a right, <laughs> right. Yeah, to exactly. do it than he yeah. does. Yeah. So this. Right around that same time, when I when I finally hit Facebook, yeah, um, a lot of people from the past came out of the woodwork yeah. to say hi to me. Oh yeah, people I hadn't seen or heard yeah. from in decades. Right. One of the people that got in touch with me, uh, the people from Europe used to say, "Hey, I want to put out Y Play Around." Right. I'm sorry, I don't own it. Yeah. Hey, I want to put Y Play Around. Right. I'm sorry, I can't. I can't yeah. give you the okay. Right. Because I don't own it.
2: Yeah.
1: Hey, can I do this with your permission? No. Right. And that's right around when the bootleg thing hit. Yeah. So somebody said, screw I don't need permission, right. I'm just going to do it. Yeah. So Ted Tringo, mm-hmm. from the label Dark Symphonies, yeah. The Crypt,
0: yeah.
1: he got in touch with me. Yeah. And he didn't take my answer at no. face value. Right. He said, let me keep pushing. <laughs> yeah. I-, I don't own it. Well, le- okay, fine, you don't own it, but... Yeah. And he kept pursuing and pursuing and pushing and pushing. And yeah. He, he kind of got me into a space where I was like, well, if this unknown guy did the bootleg, why can't I do it? Right. I still had that anxiety of someone from New York going to slap a lawsuit. Right. Yeah, of course. Take my house away or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. So Ted said, let me do it. Yeah. With your okay. Right. You can write the liner notes. Yeah. You supply me with all the pictures and the artwork. Yeah. You h- help me promote it. Yeah. You, c- you can in- endorse it. Yeah. And, but I'll take all the risk. Yeah. I'll pay for it. So that seemed like a perfect arrangement yeah. Of, yeah. of how to make it happen. So went ahead and did it.
0: Yeah.
1: Have not heard anything from anybody. And I don't expect to. Right. So after we did that one, we did Ugly. Yeah. We did Fireball. We're going right down the line. Yeah. And the fourth album, which ultimately was Suicide Notes. Yeah. Is the one that we're trying to figure out right no. now. Yeah, and, no, uh, that favorable. That's going to be a tricky one. Yeah. Because I, when I was reaching out to people five, six years ago, yeah. the guy who owns Suicide Notes said no. Really? Hm. I have no plans. It costs money right. to digitize. I, gotta find, I can't <laughs> find the DAT, so no. So what I learned from Ted is no Means right. look in a different direction. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm doing. Nice. We'll see what happens.
0: And and Fireball that was a you did that on a CD the reissue of that. Yeah, that was yeah. A,
1: that was an EP. We, yeah. We basically did that. Um, we had a leftover song from Ugly. Yeah. Which was the Deep Purple cover, and we had some live stuff we did, um, with Joni right? at WMBR. Right. Yeah. And we decided to do an EP. Yeah. And, um it gave us another excuse to go over to Europe again and promote yeah. something, but yeah. also the advance money we got, because this stuff had already been recorded, yeah. Yeah. we used the advance money to film the Dreadnought Day video. Oh, nice. So that worked out really well. Yeah. And that was Paris Mayhew's brother. Oh, all right. Who produced that produced video. That. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that was cool. Nice. But yeah. um that's cool. Um, that's the thing I was saying about having control over the catalog. For yeah. so many years, we had no control over right. it now that we have control over it i mean i'm i'm a record collector's record collector i'm, yeah, yeah. I'm into the minutiae oh yeah i'm into the archival photographs yeah and all no all i am that too stuff. that's
0: why i love i love it man. and
1: i i finally had the opportunity because it wasn't costing me a penny yeah yeah to do it the way i can dream about oh, doing yeah, it yeah. and that's what i did I, yeah. uh, they're all going to be everything we do is going to be that way yeah. there's not going to be some leftover track that we didn't right. put on yeah yeah or and and if you put the liner notes all together in a row it's it going to tell the, story. the whole story yeah. chronologically nice and every single picture I've ever been able to find or anyone's ever sent me on Facebook or yeah, any internet search they're all every photo I can find of this band is nice. going to be in these books awesome it's all going to be done right because we have reasserted control yeah that's awesome man that's what it's about Nice, and you and you have
0: another uh, to sort of wrap. We'll wrap it up a little. Um, you've been writing for years, and you have this great blog. And I think some of the stuffs appeared in magazines too, where you you has has it.
1: I don't, maybe maybe not, not, not that I know. <laughs> or, I mean, it's not.
0: Or maybe I, that I thought. I thought years ago someone had sent me a link to there was an article you wrote about uh, Ian Gillen. like the. Uh, I think you talked about. Maybe the solo album, the Sabbath album, and then... Oh, that's... No, that's the blog. That's just from the blog. That's okay. the blog, yeah. Right, yeah. I mean,
1: people can grab that and re- yeah. repost it. I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I've been asked before if they can publish it, and I've yeah. said, it's not copywritten. You can cut and <laughs> paste and do whatever you want. Yeah. Just make sure you put my name on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so maybe you saw something like that. But yeah, yeah that's... Okay, yeah. That's been a lot of fun. Yeah. And, um, that's basically just me looking through my record collection yeah. and trying to trying to give people a, a new way to listen to their stuff. Like yeah, yeah. The backstory. It's yeah, all, it's all about yeah. backstory. Yeah. And I, I don't know about you, but, you know, Machine Head is Machine Head. It's yeah. one of the all-time classics. Yeah. But once you know where it was recorded. Oh, yeah, yeah. And why it was recorded yeah. there. Right. And under what circumstances. Right. And what, what the song is about. And then, then you want to go back and listen right. to it. Right. And it's a whole different yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, right. So that's what I'm trying to do, really, is like kind of, Shine some light on some stuff that really adds some dimension yeah. to a record that you might have had for thirty years. Yeah, but, but now it's going to be a different, whole different animal. To yeah, you, hopefully.
0: Yeah, no, I, that's that's always my favorite part of uh, rock or or just music biographies. I kind of I don't care about the gossipy, sex and all that kind of stuff. I want to know what they were thinking in the studio. And, you know, why did you leave this on there and what? So it's cool to yeah. to, to read that's, that. That's stuff. my and, favorite
1: books too are the ones that go through. This album. Yeah. And then they did this. Right. And then they did that. And yeah. sometimes if I'm listening, like I'll be listening to Secret Treaties. Yeah. I'll run downstairs and grab Martin Popoff's yeah. book. I have that And book. I'll oh. look at the Secret yeah. Treaties yeah. section. Yeah. And, I'll, yeah. and it just augments the experience of listening yeah. to the tunes again. Yeah.
0: His books are great. I love, I love yeah. those. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly the, the stuff I like is is that stuff. So that's cool.
1: Yeah. It's, it's called Mayo Noise. Yeah. And, uh, it's on WordPress. It's pretty easy to find. Yeah, and the you know the they're getting further and further apart. for yeah. me just because I'm kind of running out of. Yeah, but my there's rec- so much stuff. My record collection stuff. is finite. So <laughs> yeah, there's only so much good stuff I can <laughs> mine out of there. But, yeah, um,
0: but there's a ton of stuff on there. So I I, def- I highly uh, recommend anyone listening that's into uh, rock music, metal, and and into sort of what we're talking about here. The just the the guts of music and, and that stuff and is you'd love it definitely and uh, if people want to buy the Wargasm stuff these reissues uh, how can they do that?
1: It's all on Bandcamp yeah Bandcamp.com yeah um, the four CDs that we put out so far mm-hmm. uh, DVD yep. of the reunion shows that we did the Middle East at the Middle East and you know there's Forty-five, a seven-inch single yeah. that we did—that were some old archival recordings that we never finished. Yeah, that we actually yeah. finished. <laughs> that
0: has a, has a tank cover on that. Tank yeah. cover yeah. and suicide. One
1: of the songs from that we had way back when we were a Maniac that we never put on an album. Yeah, we had considered. We were invited to be on Metal Massacre Nine or okay. ten or something. Yeah, and. Um, we had the same dilemma. We were like, do we give them, got to give them the best song right. we have yeah, or the worst song? Right? Yeah. I don't know. We, we don't want to waste a good song on right. a comp album like that. So we just passed. <laughs> yeah. But um, we did have a recording of it that was half done. So we finished it. Nice. And the Tank one, same thing. We had all the music recorded, but no vocals. Yeah. We broke up. So I just went back in and yeah. sang on it and boom, seven nice. inch. Cool.
0: And you guys did a couple uh, Christmas songs on one of those... Uh,
1: is that on the Fireball? That's on Fireball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was um, WBCN. Tony Berardini Yeah, put us in the studio. He, nice. he financed it. It was his idea. He said, if you guys do a Christmas song, <laughs> I'll get to play you every year. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so we threw something together in one night and went down to Normandy and invited everybody we knew Yeah. and just went down and banged that out. It was nice. a
0: blast. Awesome.
2: A,
1: and again, the rights to that. Who who owns that? Does BCN? Right. Or does Tony? Own right, we, right. Don't, we don't know. Yeah. So we're going to put it out yeah I'm gonna see what happens yeah right nothing
0: awesome well uh, thanks for coming out and doing this man I, I definitely thanks for appreciate having it. me yeah this is yeah. super cool thanks man cool